And welcome to another amazing episode of Retrovaniacs. As always, I'm Jeremy Parmentier here with Billy Holiday. Hello there. And Jeremy Gregory. Hey, guys. And this week we're going to look at Blaster Master for the Nintendo. But before we jump into Sophia, uh, what have you been playing since our last episode, Billy? Uh, well, I have just a few things here and there. I am really uh, cracking down this year on finishing up uh, games, actually sitting down, focusing on a game, uh, you know, completing it and then moving on to the next one. I, I finished up that uh, that Star Wars, that Fallen Order, uh, got back on it again, collected a few extra things that I missed along the way. Uh, I, I don't think I I think don't think I'm going to be compelled to collect everything, uh, even though they they do make the, the collectibles on there pretty fun. I, I don't know. Um, I, it's no Riddler trophy hunt from the Arkham games. Um, but yeah, I can see that being one that maybe, you know, on down the line, I get back on and, and try to nail a hundred percent on it, but not right now. And I, and then I'm just kind of playing catch up on games. I started, but didn't finish. I, I kind of did some Zelda games back to back. I wrapped up that, uh, that Link's Awakening remake they put out on the switch with a uh, beautiful game. I can't say enough good things about that. Uh, and then I went on and I knocked out that, that cadence of Hyrule. That, uh, that, you know, Crypt of the Necro Dancer and uh, Legend of Zelda mashup they did. That, that turned out to be very enjoyable. Uh, it, it has one of the better soundtracks for a game in recent memory. And I finished it up, and I'm heading down a dangerous road now. I, I'm, I'm playing that Pokemon Shield on the, on the Switch. And, you know, for someone that's wanting to just, you know, knock some games out, get them out of the way, this is not the thing to do. Uh, because I tend to just obsess over leveling up my, my my Pokemon on there and getting just the right team. And you know, I'm not even out of the first zone yet. And, and I'm doing my usual RPG tactic of just getting everyone to an absurdly high level. So I never face a single challenge in a fight for the remainder of the game. Uh, but that's that's kind of where I'm sitting at right now. I'm doing that. And, and Jeremy Gregory, he's pulled me back into Destiny 2. And I've been trying to join him uh, just to hop on there and do a match or two here and there, or just, you know, mess around for an hour or so. And man, that game, it's like coming back home every single time. Like it's no matter how long you're gone. Uh, once you get back on there, it's, it's, you know, you just fall right back into place and it's, it's for all of its troubles. And for the story that even though I've been playing these games for years, I do not fully grasp. It is just, it's very satisfying. Uh, Control-wise, it's just one of the better games, uh, you know, gun game-wise, as far as the, the feel of the guns and, and all that. But I think we've probably talked about Destiny 2 a lot over the last several years, um, so I won't go on any further. But yeah, that, that's it. I, I'm, I'm trying to stay focused, and I, I'm doing a pretty good job, but I, I fear this whole Pokemon thing is, is going to be a roadblock. I'm doing the same thing. You know, last episode, we had a, a listener question about how to deal with your backlog, and yes. it made me look at my backlog and, and go through and see what, you know, I have a lot of games where I'm on the last boss or near the last boss mm -hmm. or towards the last area, but I want to go back and get, you know, all the special widgets or whatever it is you need to get. So I, I'm just trying to, to force myself through some of these just to finish them, not because I don't want to, but, you know, if I'm left to my own devices, I'll play 100 games and never finish any of them. So I did finish, uh, for games that were not for this podcast, I did finish Shenmue 2 finally. I would say mm. that's, it's a game I've been playing since it came out and never finished it because I get sidetracked when you get to uh, Kowloon City and can gamble and have to do a bunch of street fights and gamble earn more money to do more street fights. And then I just get stuck in this loop where all I want to do is that and not finish the story. 
Uh, I was actually very close to the end. I think after I got focused, um, you know, to get out of Kowloon and finish that section, I, I was like, well, I was right at the end there. I didn't realize it. But then the very end of that game takes a turn where you just calmly walk through forests for what feels like two and a half real-life hours. And I'm not quite sure if now I want to jump into Shenmue 3 if it's more of that. I'm going to take a break from the Shenmue and come back. I did finish as well the, the last part of the Shovel Knight Treasure Trove, um, the King, uh, King of Cards expansion, which was, hmm. in my opinion... Uh, I mean, it wouldn't be, it wouldn't exist without Shovel Knight, so I can't say it's better than Shovel Knight, but it's the best of the three DLC, uh, you know, self-contained games. It is wonderful, uh, and it's got a, it's got a collectible card game in there as well, so you know it's got me hooked. And I played a lot of that, but I did finish that. I got stuck because I wanted to get all the cards. And I'm like, what are you doing? Just finish the goddamn game. Come back for the cards. They aren't even that important. It's just a thing to get in the way. And then I made a similar mistake that you did, where I found a game that I was like, oh, I'll just knock this out, no problem. Uh, and I'm gone. I've gone back to Persona Q2, uh, oh. and that's uh, that's a bad one because it's it's much like an Etrian Odyssey game. You're going to spend hundreds of hours if you really want to maximize your efforts, and uh, and boss fights can take quite a long time. The the boss that I'm on now is the boss of the second area, and each fight takes me about half an hour. So when I lose it, I then go back. I've lost half an hour of gameplay time. I then have to go back and grind some, and grinding is very slow in that game. And then try again, spend a half an hour, die again awesome and then i go i go right back and grind some more so that one's that's not a good choice for trying to knock some games out but i really really like it and it is a handheld so at least i can play it in places where i'm not able to use the other systems uh and so now i'm, I'm trying to find something else i literally finished uh, king of cards today so i'll look and see what else is on my list i did also spend a few more hours dying to the last boss of sekiro over and over again someday i will finish it uh, but it was not this week so jeremy what have you been playing so have you heard this game it's called destiny 2 uh, oh boy you may be familiar with it uh that's literally all i've been playing i it has got me back into it in a way that i don't i don't know if i've ever been this addicted to destiny uh, let me uh, let me while. say this um as the person that said they weren't going to talk anymore about it let me speak at length about it again um i will say and and i have told jeremy this several times i am absolutely marveling at the sheer amount of stuff this game now has to do and and it's not because i've been gone a long time I, they they are really like uh, that was like the main complaint. I remember I stopped playing this because I ran out of things to do. Now I have too much to do. I feel like it's it's almost endless. Like I have been working things down for like the past three months, and I've still it, they still just keep adding things and adding things. Uh, and so the, it's just one of those things. Like the the whole content thing of this game not having enough content that has been solved. Uh, we can safely say that. It's just a matter of like. I don't know how much you really want to get into this game and, and chase uh, the, the loot, you know, the loot stuff around. And I, I have really gotten into it to the point where I'm just getting on here almost every single night. You know, me and you have been doing a lot of strikes dungeons mm -hmm. in that game. And it's, it's always fun to me just to see the kind of people that it pairs you up with, because if you're not a full <laughs> team, there, it will give you random people that are also uh, queuing into to the uh, strike, and there was one uh, the other night. I wish you would have been there, but we we played this one strike that me and you have been playing a a few times because it was like the uh, nightfall strike, uh, the mm -hmm. arms dealer, and there was this guy. It was me and this other random. I didn't know either of them, and we were going through this uh, this strike and killing all of these enemies. And I was wondering why this guy was taking a while to like catch up with us. And as I was getting further and further, 
I turned around to like just kind of watch him. And at some point, I noticed that every single person that he killed, he would take the time to go up to them and teabag them <laughs> three times. Literally, three computer times. characters, though, aren't they? Yes, they're the computer characters. He was like, literally, he would kill them and then he would run over to them and he would teabag them three times. One, two, three. And then triple he would move bag. To, yeah, triple bag them and move on to the next one. One, two, three. Now, you know, there's like, there can be dozens of enemies that you kill in any one little section can, of these strikes. You can lay down. You can lay down 20 enemies in about 10 seconds. I was shocked at his dedication. Like, I just <laughs> sat there and watched. Did there you were, help him? No, I was just watching because there was he would do this in the mid. He wouldn't even wait until it was all over. He would look. He would go kill them, or and then it would like there could just be bullets everywhere, and he'd be. I'm going to teabag this motherfucker right now, and he would go over to him one, two, three, and then at the end, at the end of the thing, when we'd all be running away, I'd turn around and look, and then he would go and teabag the rest of everyone else that still hadn't like faded away. You you and, got matched. You got matched up with a man that I think is going through a tough point in his life, probably. It was the first time in my life that I actually wanted to send a friend request to someone. Because <laughs> like he, he needs a friend. I, I think he does. And I, I was just so impressed with everything that he was doing. Uh, and he went the whole time. Even after the last boss, we finally killed the last boss. Ran over there. One, two, three. <laughs> before he even went to that treasure chest. So that was... I'm surprised the boss only got three, though. You think he would have got like more? You know, we killed him pretty quick. He was, I, he was, I'm pretty sure he was busy over there, like the other side of the map, still teabagging other people that he had fucking killed. But it's it's just those things. I don't know. Like, uh, Yeah, I, I'm really into that game, and I may not stop playing it for, for quite a while. There's just so much to do, still so much to do, and they keep doing these seasons. Um, I, I just now kind of finished up all the content that, of this current season, and, and I don't know. We'll, we'll see how it goes. I, I'm just, I, I have a lot of fun playing it. Well, a game that unfortunately does not have a teabag button, because you only got two buttons to really mess with, is the game we're going to talk about today, Blaster Master for the Nintendo. one i always knew about uh this was uh i, I saw it hyped up in the magazines and uh, I, I gave it a shot and this is the game i recall as being the one that i could never get good at uh you know as, as a kid i if i started off on a game and it was rough uh, I mean, uh, let's say Mega Man, for instance or a lot of those nes games that had a, a, a pretty solid challenge to them i would you know over time get better at them and, and usually see them through to the end uh, but this is one I rented on several occasions, and I probably have to say I didn't make it much more than 10, 15 minutes in. And any given point in time, uh, every time I picked this game up, I, I never improved at it. So I, I was, and I haven't, and subsequently I just kind of soured on it to the point of not really revisiting it. Um, I, I figured it would come around at some point, especially it, it hit that the uh, you know the switch library of of NES games. So it, it kind of ended up back up on my radar then. 
Uh, so I thought I knew this day would probably come, and and I figured when it did, it would be a good way to to kind of gauge if I uh, am possibly a little bit better now than I was then. Uh, I, I have a little bit more attention span to me. Uh, my reflexes maybe slowed a little bit, but I, I was looking forward to, to kind of redeeming myself on a game that I, I otherwise was just horrible at. And I only played this back when I was a kid. Uh, this was one of those games that my cousin in Kentucky owned uh, when I would go over there for spring break. And, and they would always be playing this game because they really wouldn't actually make much progress in it from year to year, from spring break to spring break. It seemed like they were kind of still in the same area. Uh, but yeah, I, I always kind of enjoyed playing it. And when I finally got my NES, I, I definitely rented it a few times. And I don't know if I've ever actually gotten any better at this game over the years, but I've always enjoyed playing it. Yeah, it's unique. There's not a lot of games like this on the Nintendo that has you know multiple gameplay styles, uh, different you know different levels play not completely differently, but different than the previous. And the music in this game on its own, like the first time I turned the game on and the first time I turned it on again to play for this podcast, the music hits you first. It's one of those mm. Nintendo games. I'll just catch myself humming the themes to it. I mean, it's mm -hmm. it's it's a game we owned. I played it a million times. I never got to beat it as a kid ever. And, uh, and I'll be honest, if it wasn't for save states and some fairly <laughs> cheesy strategies, I would not have finished it this time either. But I will say that, uh, you know, a good 30 years later, I did <laughs> I have finished Blaster Master finally. Uh, but I wouldn't count it as an honest defeat of this game. No, and, and I don't see how you could, because I think this I, there's there's limited continues. Uh, there's no passwords. I, I don't know how. People pulled this off. Uh, and to I, just to clarify, I am right now, as of the time of this recording, uh, when I, I last played, I am on the last boss. And and we'll talk about the cheese you can pull off in this game as we go along. But there was plenty of that. And, and yeah, the, you know, using the, <laughs> taking full advantage of that rewind feature on the Switch, uh, it is, I'm, I'm almost embarrassed. Of, of the amount of, of, of uh, you know, cheating and, and taking advantage of the modern hardware that I'm doing to progress through this game. Uh, it, it's a tough one. But, but yeah, like you just said, uh, the first thing you notice is the music. And, and despite any complaints I may have about this game as we go along, this is one of the classic NES soundtracks. I, I didn't even play this game a ton. But, but you know that tune, especially that opening music. I, for some reason, Sunsoft just had like a stranglehold on the NES. Like they were able to do things on that console that just really no one else was able to do. And uh, I, I think their their other games had better graphics and such. But mm. I mean, considering what they were trying to pull off with this game with these huge maps and everything else, it's pretty amazing that this is even on the NES, especially with that sound. Uh, yeah, it's just an amazing looking and sounding game all around. And whenever you've actually start to get into it what looks like a very basic platform kind of action game at first really kind of turns into this really huge adventure game over time and i think that actually was the thing that that surprised me about as much as maybe when i first started playing rygar on the nes mm. because that was a game that i thought was just going to be a very simple platform action game that turned into something that was much more than what it was and i think blaster master does the same thing 
We mentioned this was put up by Sunsoft, and it was in 1988. They're the developer and publisher of Blaster Master. They had done uh, several other games on Nintendo up to this point. Nothing was extremely noteworthy, in my opinion, until this game. Then they did other ones that were much bigger. They did the Batman game. They did the Batman Return of the Joker that was really, really good. Gremlins 2. Uh, mm. Unfortunately, they did Fester's Quest, a game I don't hate, to be honest, but is not very good. Uh, but also has a pretty good soundtrack. And Journey to Silius, which is a game we did a uh, video on, I believe, on our, on our YouTube channel. And that's also available on the... Uh, NES library on the Switch. Those games all have amazing music, and the th the reason they all have amazing music, and they're all so notable, is they all have the same composer. Uh, Naoki Kodaka was hired by by Sunsoft to do these music for these games, and all of them knocked out of the park. All his games have amazing music, uh, and he was not a Sunsoft employee. He was just somebody they contracted, and I guess just worked well with him, and they kept going with it. And, and yes, the soundtrack for this game, start to finish, is really really good. There's a few a few levels that aren't great, but that's you know, there, there's eight levels. Each level has their own different soundtrack, and so they aren't all going to be gold. But but even the bad ones are better than most other Nintendo game soundtracks. And Jeremy, you said you thought they, their other games look better. I don't think this game looks bad necessarily. I just think that some of the mm. some of the levels later on in the game get a little a little boring, a little bland. I think the start of the game though, when you're outside, you see the mountains in the background. Uh, you know, there's there's stuff all over the screen. I think it looks very very nice. I, I mean, it's it's animated well. There's a lot of slowdown in this game, a whole lot. Uh, but but still not as much as other Nintendo games, and it's still very playable with it. But I didn't think this was an ugly game at all. I'm, I'm kind of surprised that that both of you didn't think this was as as amazing looking of a game, at least for the parts where you're in the tank. No, I mean this is like you're saying. Yeah, uh, it, it starts off. Uh, visually, I mean, it's 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 not bad, uh, but yeah, this is a game that when it gets ugly, it gets ugly. I, there are some stages here where I, ju I just think there's a lot of kind of blending in and just a, a horrible <laughs> choice of color palette. I mean, I mean, I know it's the NES, and we are dealing with the with with certain limits and capabilities, but it's just it it starts off not bad, but I think as the game progresses, some of those areas just are way too busy and, and way too cluttered and just ugly. I, I'm not saying it looks bad. I guess I'm comparing it to like their, their Batman games. Uh, mm. You know, those were two of the best looking NES games that's, that's ever existed. Mm -hmm. uh, but like, yeah, I mean, it, it looks fine. I'm not saying, yeah, it's just, uh, it, these are very large levels and a lot of times they can go on for a very long time. And a lot of the, the same kind of, uh, you know, textures and patterns and stuff like that just kind of just it blends in over time. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure we'll get into the length of, of just how large a lot of these levels are and how much backtracking you have to do. But, yeah, there's there's just a lot of times where it it all kind of blends in together and it's hard to, to remember where you need to go because mm. the graphics stay so similar in a lot of those areas. start the game you're going to be in a tank the tank is called Sophia I thought it stood for something but I read the whole manual and it does not it's just Sophia I think the later games make a you know some kind of 
uh, is it anagram the right word I'm looking for, <laughs> where they, they make each letter stand for something. But in this game, it's just Sophia the Third, uh, which is the vehicle you have. The story for this game is absolutely ridiculous. If you don't have the manual, there is a little kind of little cinematic for an NES game at the very beginning. Uh, the, the story based in the manual is that you are Jason, and you have a frog named Fred. Uh, Fred, for whatever reason, gets out of his cage, runs outside, and finds this radioactive container just sitting in the backyard. He runs up to it. It causes him to grow huge, and he falls into the ground. So you jump after him, and you find this tank, and that starts your game. <laughs> That's the story to Blaster Master. Uh, unsurprisingly, in Japan, this was not called Blaster Master. It was called, and again, I apologize for my inability to read these, uh, Chao Wasuke Senki Metafight. Uh, and it has absolutely nothing to do with a frog or Jason. It's just a much more standard, uh, you know, stopping an evil emperor. And here's your tank, which is called the Metal Attacker, which is a much cooler name than Sophia. Mm. Uh, but but yes, in the the version we played, the U.S. or I guess uh, North American version, it's Blaster Master, and and the tank's name is Sophia. So the the tank you're in at the very beginning of the game. Uh, again, it's a Nintendo controller, so you only have a, you know, a couple options. There's a jump button and a shoot button. The, the tank jumps very well. I think it has a very responsive jump. It jumps very high, but not you know, off the screen or anything, but a lot higher than you think it would. And the only other button that does anything other than move your tank is the select button. Select will cause Jason to jump out of Sophia and run around. Now, on the overworld map, which, you're gonna, which is what you start in the, with the tank visible, Jason is tiny. He's tiny, and he shoots these little pea things, and essentially he's there more or less to get around certain obstacles or to climb down small ladders to get to areas that are designed for him. But generally, if you use him on these overworld maps, you're just going to get smoked, at least for the first half of the game. Uh, there's almost no reason other than to climb a ladder to get out of your tank, uh, unless it's to climb a ladder to get to an area or to go into the labyrinth areas, which is the second half of the game. We'll get into those in a second. Uh, but... As, as Jeremy mentioned earlier, these levels are huge, and Sophia can get pretty much wherever you want to go from the start of the game, but eventually you'll find things that you can't pass. There's a wall that's just too high for you to jump over, or there's like a, a face that shoots uh, energy at you, and there's nothing you can do to hurt this face, or there's water, and you, you don't move very well in the water. So this game is actually more of a Metroid-style game, where the map expands from where you start and you end up doing have to do a fair amount of backtracking because you'll get an item that lets you swim in water and then you go back to these water areas or you get a special gun that destroys that face in the wall and you can get to the next set of areas and it's all linked together uh, it does have gates instead of elevators like metro would have it has gates that get you between the stages and it is a it I think it's a simpler progression than Metroid, but it's that same idea where if you've been to an area, you're probably going to go back to it uh, and you'll see things where you're like, well, I wish I could get to there and that means you probably can. Uh, at the beginning, it seems like it's kind of fairly straightforward. It seems like you you are making your way through. It's got a few alternate paths as you're making your way through these levels, but you're kind of staying on the same path. If you come to a block, you know something you need to go forward with. You can generally you generally know that you need to go back and and find a different path to to see what you can get to to progress. The only part that ever got me was when the first when the game actually makes you backtrack to the first level after I believe it was the fourth um, or the third or the fourth. And that's when I, I, as a kid, I know that just, I could not understand where to go. I did not realize you needed to go all the way back to the beginning of the, literally the beginning of the first stage to progress. Mm -hmm. And that was the thing that got me uh, this time. Of course, you know, I, I known this, but that was one of the things that really uh, got me as a kid because that the idea of backtracking, that far into a you know a game was that was just completely alien to me 
So in order to find these other items to let him get into these new areas, uh, Jason has to exit the tank and find these little little doorways that go into to the second you know, gameplay style in this game, which is where you're Jason in an overhead view, almost Legend of Zelda style um, setup of levels. Not nearly as good, and the screens aren't single screen. They're, they scroll a little bit. Uh, but generally, it's that same top-down, three-quarters view. Jason is huge. When Jason goes to these mm. top-down levels, Jason is, is, in my opinion, too big. Uh, he looks very, you know, big-head cartoony, I guess. And, I mean, he's got to be like a sixth of the screen tall. Like, he's a, he's a huge sprite in this game. And all these levels have monsters and, and little robot things that come and attack you in that form, and all of them seem to be ready to attack you as soon as they come onto the screen. Like the, Because you're so big, you don't see far enough in those levels. And it's kind of hard to dodge bullets because you are so hard, and there's a lot of narrow walkways and such in those areas. So the, the Jason areas in the game are where you're going to fight the bosses and where you're going to get any upgrades that affect Jason himself or are major upgrades to the Sophia tank. Uh, by fighting those bosses, you know, you beat a boss, you'll get a new gun that helps your tank get to the next area, and that's how you kind of un unlock the Metroid-style map of this game. Uh, yeah, and these levels, uh, I, get, I you know, I thought I would like these a little bit more than the, the parts where you're outside scrolling in the tank. I, I just think these are, are sloppy for the most part. There's a bad habit of putting, like, this this texture down the ground, like the, the, well, the spikes or whatnot, or just that rough terrain on the ground. And in some of these parts, it occupies so much of it that I, that I feel like you're just kind of forced down this this linear path almost. And and yeah, it's not very well done. I feel and and I had this. Do the rest of you have trouble kind of lining your shots up? Uh, I, I, it, it took me a minute because I'm used to in games kind of when it's that top down like that. Uh, when you when you shoot, it, it kind of comes from the center. This guy's holding the gun in his right hand, and and the shots are coming from the right. So it's like you don't center quite up with an enemy. You have to move off to the side a little bit. I, I just found that something that it took me forever to get used to. I, I definitely had that problem with with certain enemies. Especially. I find there some. I find there some you can't hit either. It's kind of hard to, like to figure out where where you need to be unless you just play it a lot. But at this point, as a kid, when this kind of overhead thing came up and, like, you were this huge character, I was like, holy shit, I got two games in one here. Like, I got a cool-ass platforming game where you're playing <laughs> as a tank, and then you go into this thing, and it's like an overhead. Oh, like a you, were, super... you, were the, you were the target audience. I thought it was amazing. I couldn't, you know, I played Rygar, and it kind of does the same thing where it does, like, the overhead view. But, you know, you kind of kind of stayed the same you kind of did the same thing this is a completely different way to play the game you're not playing mm -hmm. as the tank this is an overhead view you've got a different character you've got different guns you can use uh, i was amazed i had never seen anything like that in a game back then yeah it's an impressive idea i really liked it at the time and i still think it's a neat concept i just think mm -hmm. that the if I had to say why this game is difficult, this game is difficult for these Jason sections completely. I think the sections mm. where you're in the tank can be difficult, but it's more trying to figure out where to go and trying to find the right way around obstacles, especially in the later levels. There's a lot of, of using uh, some of your abilities later on. You get a hover ability that is uh, a lot like a jetpack, like what we talked about in our last episode about uh, 
bounty hunter. It doesn't have unlimited fuel, and it's very difficult to use. So there's a lot of, of controlling your tank in the later levels that's that's difficult. But again, once you learn that mechanic, it's not bad. But the Jason stuff mm. is the cheap deaths part of this game, 100%. Not just because the bosses are there. Just some of the getting to the boss uh, is, is harder than any of the boss fights in the game. When you're in the side-scrolling Sophia mode, on the side of the screen, there's a meter that shows how much life you have, which is a power meter, and a hover meter, which at the beginning of the game is totally empty because you don't have the hover ability. Great. You have eight hit points. Uh, you do have three lives when you start the game, and you do have a limited amount of continues, which I think Jeremy mentioned earlier. Uh, you have five continues in this game. They don't count down. If you don't have the manual, you have no idea you only have five continues, and it just ends. Like Once you have used your last continue and you lose your mm -hmm. last life in that continue, it just goes right back to the title screen, and that's it. There's no secret code to keep going. There's no passwords to this game. There's no save to this game. It's expected you're going to sit down and play it the whole way through. It has eight different areas. All these areas are fairly large and kind of maze-like. You have to find your way through. They have multiple room uh, of those labyrinth areas that Jason's bigger in, so you have to figure out where the right one is to find the boss. But at the same time, you have to go to those other rooms to keep yourself powered up. Uh, all mm. the Jason sections, instead of having a hover meter, because Jason's not going to hover, that it's replaced by a gun meter. And Jeremy mentioned that you have a bunch of different guns, and that's kind of true, but you don't have the ability to select between guns. You have a gun meter. So depending on how many gun points you've picked up, these little gun pickups that look like almost like little grenade pieces, it changes what your gun will do. So at the very beginning, it's a short shot. It goes maybe a third of the way across the screen. Looks like just a regular one-bullet gun. You can fire two or three at a time. Uh, but it's, again, the limitation on that gun is this... Is this the fact that it only goes that little distance across the screen from your character. And everything else is firing at you from wherever it is. So it's a, it's a major disadvantage. Uh, it's pretty easy to find one gun point uh, find in almost any of those dungeon areas. You can easily find a gun pickup. And then you have a shot that goes all the way across the screen. Uh, for um, of the eight points in gun, zero and one point is a normal shot short. And then two and three are shots that go all the way across the screen, which is great. When you get to four and five, these, in my opinion, are the worst guns you can get. Uh, if you get to the point where you have four, it's almost worth it to to lose a point of gun, and we'll get to that in just one second, uh, to go mm. back to having just a straight shot. Because you get what's supposed to be like a spray shot. Uh, but imagine, instead of just firing in three directions at once, or five directions at once, or whatever, uh, like a spread shot in Contra, instead it fires straight ahead and then does these weird curvy shots one left and one right. And if any of these shots hit the wall, the ones that go left and right, they stop, obviously. So you have to angle yourself in specific specific areas to go around the wall. Meanwhile, you know the enemies that are coming at you are just walking at you and shooting directly at you, and you're trying to hit these angle shots to go and hit them in the right direction. I hate it. I hate that gun. It was more often than not, if I had it, I would try to find a way to either get more gun immediately to the next, uh, the next upgrade at six and seven shots. You have a wide shot. It does... It basically looks like just bullets are spraying out all over the place, like what you'd want for a spread shotgun, except instead of being in that consistent of a pattern, it's almost like, like you're putting a field in front of you that just throws bullets everywhere. It doesn't really make a lot of sense. You don't see the way they're targeting. They just go crazy, uh, and that's six and seven. And then eight is the same gun as six and seven, but it's colored, and it goes through walls, and it's essentially the, you know, the easy mode gun. However, in, in one of the weirdest gameplay decisions and one of the reasons this game is so hard is that when you're in the jason mode and only in the overhead jason modes does this happen 
if you get hit, not only do you lose a piece of your health or multiple pieces of your health if, it, if the enemy does enough damage, you lose a level of your gun immediately. So if you're at six and you're finally excited, you have that wide shot, and you're like, yes, and you start using it and you get hit by just a stray bullet or walk into a spike, boom, you're back at five and now you have that garbage gun that goes left and right. It's very, very <laughs> difficult to find gun pickups if you if you mm. need them. Like you're not going to get a gun pickup from one from zero to eight in one dungeon. I mean, there's a few where that happens, but it's very rare. Most of the time, you've got to go through multiple dungeons. Try not to get hit. Certain enemies, when you kill them, have a chance to drop them, but it's a very low chance because more often than not, they're going to drop health pickups uh, or mm-hmm. or hover pickups. But yes, it is. I don't know why they chose to have gun go down when you get hit in that form. It wouldn't have been a whole lot easier if that didn't happen, but it's so much harder because it does. Oh, it's insult to injury, basically. And, and yeah, I, I've never encountered that in a game. Uh, you don't really see that. I mean, your gun strength usually maintains un, until you die. Uh, then, yeah, you can reset it. But, yeah, just taking a hit and having that gun go down, especially uh, when you know you the boss is coming right up you're powered up, you're going in, and yeah, you take a stupid, you know, a hit that you could have avoided, and now you're going in with, you know, with a powered down gun, and it is infuriating, and, uh, you know, I don't think I really even noticed that was the issue uh, until I was playing through, now, uh, you know, this time, that, that, yeah, I was taking these hits, and my gun was going down, and it was something I had to get online and check, and yeah, that's, that's actual mechanic built in it's bewildering i mean this is uh it kind of reminded me of that one neo geo game we played that one time uh where it it's god was it you were playing as a wizard magician lord yes magician lord we hated that game Mm. and it was uh a big reason of that was because of what this game is doing right here is like anytime you find something that made you more powerful it would instantly punish you for being more powerful and take that away unless you just absolutely know the perfect way to play this game. And uh, mm-hmm. this this is one of those games where it is, it is a very challenging game. So figuring out how to play every section as, as perfect as possible to keep those guns is quite a challenge in itself. Mm-hmm. Um, but I believe this game also has one of the more famous uh, kind of, I don't I wouldn't call it cheat, I guess, but maybe exploit where you can just kind of pause the game whenever you fire a certain gun. Mm-hmm. I want to say it's like a grenade or something that like keeps exploding after you pa- like pause the game. Yeah, that that's not a cheat. That is an absolute. I was going to necess- say that's more like necessity. a feature. Yeah. <laughs> it's a mercy, is what it is. Yeah, I don't think it was intended, but they they advertised it in Nintendo Power as something you should do. So I think everybody realized that's the way to get through some of this game. And I'll be honest, this playthrough now, uh, bosses six and seven, one hundred percent use that trick. You use your grenade, which yes. is the other gun Jason has. Since he doesn't jump, the other button does a grenade. You have unlimited grenades. They fire out in front of you directly. They don't have a very big range, but you can spam that grenade button. And that's one of the reasons I think that you may not have picked up when you were younger or that you were losing your gun power. Because up until later in the game, you don't even need to really worry about it. The gun is there to destroy the little things in the labyrinth, but then when you get to a boss, mm-hmm. you're just using your grenades. And and if you're using that trick or not for some of the bosses, because it doesn't work for all of them, uh, the grenade does so much damage, and the fact that you can spam it way faster than bullets in your gun, you're mm-hmm. just going to spam those grenades all the time. And the game kind of realizes that, because once you die as Jason, 
you lose all your gun points, obviously, because you would have, have lost all your life as well. And you start out with a full life bar and no guns. But even when you're at the boss, any boss in the game, you start right at that boss again. Because they know if you just use your grenades, even without that trick, that's the fastest way to do damage. And a lot of the time, especially some of the earlier bosses, you can just tank what they're doing to you and just spam those grenades while you stand right in front of them. Uh, but the trick you mentioned to, to pause the game, it's only on certain bosses. You have to throw a grenade. It has to, to hit the right spot because all these bosses only have certain weak spots. Uh, the frog specifically can only be hurt when it opens its mouth uh, to do mm -hmm. one of three attacks that it does. And the, the frog shows up again as the boss of level seven and is absolutely insane. I don't know how anyone would beat it without the pause trick. All the playthroughs <laughs> I saw of it were people beating it with the pause trick, so I don't feel so bad. But he, he opens his mouth for like a split second before he attacks. you got to throw a grenade. And assume it hits and pause it, and it'll sit there and keep flashing because the grenade has a uh, looks like an explosion around the outside of the of the sprite for the grenade itself when it hits, and that sprite just keeps hitting over and over and over again while it's paused. So yes, that is a I did use it. I would not say it's not a cheat necessarily, but it's one that everybody used. So <laughs> I don't know, I don't know if that counts as good or bad. But if even the speed runs and everyone I see I saw playing it as a as a full walkthrough used that for some of the bosses, I don't feel so bad. So like we mentioned, after you fight the boss, it will give you the item you need to get to the next area in your Sophia. Thankfully, the game does not make you walk through those labyrinths again. Once you beat the boss, great. You end up right back at the start of the labyrinth. You get back in Sophia, and you go on your way. If you manage to get to the next dungeon area, or even just stop at one on the way, you will have the same level of gun that you had, even if you got hit 100 times as the tank. Uh, with, with Jason, once you get to the new labyrinth, which is wonderful. What's not wonderful, though, is if you die then you lose all your gun, even if you're not in Jason form at that time. Mm -hmm. So if you if you have, like, a full gun, you beat a, a boss, you feel really good about yourself, and then somehow on the way to the next big boss area, you fall into a pit and take a bunch of damage and die, then you've also lost all your gun points for Jason, so you need to go back and scrounge for gun points in all these optional dungeons on the way. That's why they're all there. Um, the other reason they're there, and I probably should have mentioned this earlier, but I didn't use them effectively until this playthrough. When you're in Sophia form, or Jason form, honestly, but in Sophia form is where it matters, and you hit the select button, or I'm sorry, you hit the start button, it comes up with an inventory screen of the Sophia tank. It shows you the abilities you already have. It shows you spots for the abilities you don't have yet. But at the bottom of the screen, there are three different power-ups you can use by hitting down and the shoot button. There is a homing missile. There is electric that shoots down directly out of you like a, a lightning bolt. And then there is... A regular like missile that shoots in front of you, but shoots three or four out at a time directly in front of you, and apparently it does a good amount of damage. I barely ever use that. The homing missiles and the electric I used a lot because there's starting in the second level and even the you know as early as the second level, there are enemies that are smaller than the gun barrel on your tank. So when you fire at them, you're not hitting them, and they just keep hitting you over and over again while they run on the bottom. Or there's mines you can't shoot. Now you could get out of your tank as Jason and shoot them. Or you could jump up and use homing missiles and take them all out that way. The way you find those homing missiles 
almost all of them are in those little labyrinth levels. So the other reason to go in there, other than to get more gun power for Jason, is you want to have those homing missiles. And especially later in the game, they're almost required. They're optional, but you need them to get through some of these areas without taking way too much damage. I think that was maybe one of the things I really missed as a kid, because uh, I, I would always get to a certain point in this game and realize that I'm not doing either. Either I haven't played the game right or it's just way too hard. And I, I, I would just quit. I would never get past a certain point. And I don't think I was doing enough exploration to actually find a lot of these things that I needed, like the homing missile, uh, the, the things that I found this time that, that actually made the game a lot easier. Uh, but again, I think, as I mentioned before, like a lot of this stuff was, it was just, I hadn't even played Metroid up to this point. So the idea of exploring a level and it just not showing me where to go to get to the last boss uh, was just completely new to me. And, you know, that that's all I was wanting to do. I, I You get to the boss, you win, you sh you're doing what you're supposed to be doing and all this extra stuff that can actually help you out and make the game a little bit easier is more of the op optional stuff that I just completely missed. Well, and one of the other complaints I have for this game, I mean, I, I like the game a lot. You know, we mentioned the gun powering down when you get hit seems like a bad gameplay design. The fact that you don't have a map, an auto map in the game, you know, mm. Metroid has one. All the 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 later Castlevanias that do that same thing have one. Most new games now that do this, the new Blaster Masters that have come out now have a map. If you had a map, this game would be way easier to figure out where to go. Uh, I mean, you mentioned that you have to do that backtracking later and you have to go all the way back to the very beginning of the level. Uh-huh, you, you certainly do. Uh, the first three levels kind of build off each other and then you have to go all the way back to the beginning. If you would have had an auto map that showed you areas that were, you know, here's a wall or here's where there's an open area still, you'd at least at some point say, wait a minute, I can see at the very beginning of the game I could go up and I can't because I have no way to fly yet, but I'll be able to fly later and that's what you have to do to find the fourth level. I think, like, mentioning that there aren't isn't actually a map in the game i think that's actually one of the things that, that gave me the most problems as a kid because even like uh you know the first legend of zelda when you're in the dungeon or whatever you know you can see a map and that to me automatically showed that well i need a map for this game like it, there's a reason this map is here so in this game as a kid there is no map so i just figured it's a very straightforward game and i think that's that's one of the reasons why i missed a lot of the stuff i did as a kid uh, but yeah, I, I don't know. They're, the bosses themselves are... Uh, it, it, the progression through the game is very satisfying if you know what you're doing. And the bosses themselves, I think they're they're not too bad. If it, Again, if you know what you're doing. To go through the levels real quick, uh, I mean, we don't need to do a lot of time on this necessarily, but just to kind of explain how it, it builds out. Uh, level one is the level you start in. Uh, you beat the boss there, which is this like brain ball looking thing, and you get the hyper shot. Hyper shot only serves one purpose, and it destroys the wall that has a face on it. <laughs> Once you destroy the wall with the face <laughs> on it, you can find a gate that takes you to the second area. Uh, second area, there's a giant crab, and after you beat the giant crab, he gives you the crusher. That lets you break blocks open, so there's a lot of places where you can see the blocks look different than the rest of the wall. They look like they're made of sand or something, and you can destroy those easily. Once you have the crusher block, you're good to go there. Uh, after you have that, it opens up the doorway to level three, where you fight a boss that looks like a whole bunch of crates. Uh, they, they, they just, like metal boxes that appear and move around the room and shoot air, shoot bullets at you. Uh, that was the first time I really ran into problems with this playthrough. I didn't, I mean, I finished it, but I, I definitely had to have a more powerful gun at that boss for the first time. And then you get Hover at the end of level three after you beat those crates. Hover is, you know, the other bar that's been on the screen the whole time. You have to find H pickups when you kill enemies. Most enemies will drop them, but some seem to drop H more than 
than others. Uh, but once you have your hover bar, you jump once, then hit jump again in the air, and you'll start you know, hovering a little bit. The hover bar goes down very quickly. And, again, you have to find tokens to refill it, so you don't want to just fly around like a crazy person because you're not going to get very far. And you have to figure out, again, without a map, to go all the way back to the very beginning of the game, to the, the very first screen you saw when you started the game, and fly up against the wall. And, and it even has, it's not even like as simple as flying up and getting to a door. You have to do like a series of jumps where you, you have to fight a, a guy at the, at the end of the platform then go get a full hover, do it again over and over again until you get to the door, and that opens the door level four, which has some some more similar hover spots. But that's really the, the first part of the game where I think a lot of people may not have known where to go, what to do, and just may have given up. Uh, I know as a kid, for a long time, I didn't figure out even how to use hover properly. I just kept running out of hover, and then I wasn't patient enough to get more. Uh, but still, I think that's still a, a neat mechanic. I do like it. Uh, it's a lot like, like I mentioned before, like the jetpack we talked about in Bounty Hunter, except that that refilled on its own. This, unfortunately, you have to go get little tokens for. But that said, it's still a neat mechanic. I think it works really well. Uh, level 4 has the first time you, f you fight the frog boss, but he's very easy. Uh, you can use the pause trick on him if you need to, but I, I got through him with no big problem because he only does like three attacks. And he gives you the key. Key is very straightforward. There are two locked gates at the very start of that level, and you get to go and use your key to unlock those gates, and you go right to level five. Level five is a fully underwater level, and this is the level, I thought it was six, but it's five, that oh. I never got past as a kid. I never got through it. I couldn't figure out where to go. And it's because... Level 5 is the first level in this game, and really the only one in this game that does this, that requires you to leave the tank and stay as Tiny Jason for a huge chunk of the level. And I didn't think that made any sense when I was a kid, so I didn't even think to try it. And when I did, I died because it's very difficult. Everything does a lot of damage to you. You don't do a lot of damage to it. You have to constantly uh, avoid these. They look like metal tadpoles i don't know <laughs> they like look like metal jasons almost but they, they have like fish fins and they are tiny like you are and they shoot little beams like you do and they shoot them a lot faster and a lot more at, at, at different angles unlike you and i found that level to be the first real stumbling block for me even in this playthrough i this is where i'd say up to this level i played this game pretty much by the book I didn't do any save state stuff except at the beginning of each level i saved it just so i wouldn't have to come back if i had to take a break but I didn't, I didn't, you know, use that pause trick. I didn't do a lot of save states other than, than to start at the very beginning of the level. Mm -hmm. I just I just was able to play through them. This is the first time where I, when I finally figured out where to go, how to get to the last level, and had the right guns, because you need the full gun uh, from this point on pretty much for these levels, uh, I would save state at the beginning of every room in these dungeons, in the yes. Jason dungeons. Because it's like, you can just have an... An accident will fall into some spikes, or you can just have some bad luck with things that fire at you all at once. You can't get around them, and bam, you lose your gun power, and that's it. You're done. You're not going to get through that boss. Uh, this was this was the, a hard level then, and if it wasn't for you know save states now, this would be where I stopped for this podcast. It's uh, up until this point, like the game has taught you very well to like stay inside the tank. Uh, you know, and besides like little sections where you just get out and run to the door to go into the, like the overhead stuff. Um, and here, like if you go into the water with the tank, it goes, it's, it's almost impossible to actually get around in the water as the tank because you just go super slow. It's got the, the worst of the worst kind of water, uh, physics as far as like just being in the tank. So you actually have to get out and, and play as Jason. And, and that's that, this is about when I just kind of stopped playing the game. I'm like you, like I really enjoy blaster master, 
Like I, I really like this game a lot, but I've always, it's always been one of those games where I play it up until around this point. And it's like, well, this is the water level. I'm good to go. I don't think the enjoyment that I will get after this is worth actually going through this stage to get through because the difficulty is already bad, but then it just seems like it spikes through the roof with this level. And I've, I've just never really wanted to get past it besides, you know, actually trying to do it for this podcast. Well, and it's, again, once you get out of the tank, it's not even a matter of just swimming to where this boss is, although that is a, a big enough task. It's getting there and and having full guns and then getting through the little bit of a dungeon you have to get to to get to that boss. Mm-hmm. There's another giant crab, but one with, like, these giant pinchers, and he's awful. You have to get all the way to that boss and have a full gun, because without a full gun, that's a very difficult boss. I did do it, but again, it was with some save states to make sure I had my gun at the highest level each time. And when you're in Jason form in the regular side-scrolling levels, you can't use homing missiles or electricity or the other missiles. So you're you're really at a disadvantage, and the game forces you to, to explore the rest of that level that way. Uh, and unfortunately, it's easy to miss that dungeon and kind of get stuck in a loop that will take you back to the beginning of that level, and you have to go through mm-hmm. the whole thing again. Uh, it's, it's a very frustrating level, and I can see why a lot of people would stop here. Uh, I do think if you can get through it, the rest of the game in Sophia is not too bad. I think the levels are big, but not unwieldy. There's an ice level, which is not the world's worst ice level, but it's definitely got a lot of sliding, uh, which, which is always a bad mechanic, but, but not so bad. So after level five, you get dive, which lets your tank actually work well in the water. At that point, once you get dive, unfortunately, all you're using it for is to get out of this stage, and then you never use it again. But it, it, it makes that stage and the tank underwater much, much easier to use. Uh, level six, is where you fight another giant crab that was the... uh, Honestly, I had to use the pause trick. I couldn't get through it. It was very difficult. And he gives (laughs) you the first level of wall climb. Now, wall climb is kind of a double-edged sword. It's nice in some ways because it lets you not use your hover to go vertically on a lot of flat surfaces. There are areas you can only get to. Obviously, the next set of levels you need to have wall climb to get to or else you wouldn't be able to. But because it's a Nintendo controller and you don't have a lot of button options or anything else... It, it was very easy to think you're going to jump off of an item and instead you roll over the side of it and you're sticking to the side of that of that platform and then you jump, but now you're not jumping where you want to go and you just jump sideways and down and ah, uh, with spikes everywhere that do a lot of damage or lava that instantly kill you or come close to it or pits that you essentially are never going to get out of, that is the wall sticky, both wall sticky one and you are in wall sticky two after beating the next level that lets you hang on ceilings have the exact same problem. The controls are just wonky with it. I had a lot of problems using it when I wanted to, and I used it all the time when I didn't want to. I absolutely hate it. Uh, it, it it's like the fucking you know when there's you know every few years when there's a new fucking Spider-Man, and they do that scene where he first gets his powers and he's fucking sticking to everything, and he's panicking and you know and everything he touches he's sticking to. It's that you you stick to every damn thing, and all of a sudden you can't go off the side of one platform and just fall onto the other. No, you are going off the side of that platform. You're riding down the side of that platform. Oh, now you're at the, now you're underneath that platform. And yes, you are falling uh, to the pit below. I had the, the hardest time with this. And, and this was something I never really, I never really got it down after getting this. I, it, it further, complicated what was already a game that after that fifth that fifth area was was wearing on me i think i 
basically was out of patience about the time I got this. And, and this didn't help. Uh, this was the point to where um, the, the frustration had kind of eclipsed the fun I was having. And it was more of a, I guess I just need to continue playing through this, uh, you know, to have a, an informed opinion uh, when it comes time to talk about it. But yeah, this was just something that uh, it's neat and, and, you know, context. And it would have been nice if maybe it only worked on walls or it only worked on certain parts or there were, uh, you know, like designated areas where you could see you could use it on. But the fact that it works on everything and it, it really is a hindrance more than anything else. It, it just it was very off putting, especially at this point in the game. Where I mean, if if you're the average person struggling through this thing, I, I think some fatigue is set in, and this is not going to help you out. Well, because everything's so deadly at this point in the game. Yes, there's spikes everywhere that do a fourth of damage to your tank when you get hit immediately. If you fall into a pit of them, which there are several of those, they just do damage, 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 damage. You're done. You explode. Mm-hmm. You have a limited number of lives, a limited number of continues. It, it's got that. Especially when you're as Jason, you know, it's, it's got that um, penalty that most regular shooters like 2D space shooters have, which is if you're a tank, you're, un, you're undefeatable until you, get, until you die a couple times. Now, now you've got like a pea shooter and you're going to this battle with, <laughs> with like a pistol. You're like, oh no, what am mm-hmm. I doing this for? And th- this game has that same problem. So the fact that, you, th- that the mechanic you need to get to those next levels is also a detriment because of how it controls. Yeah, it's, it's almost... Again, I forced through it for this game. I did a lot of save state stuff because of those problems where I'm like, I know exactly what I need to do. I know where I want to go. And just the control would just, it would cause me to, to go down a side I didn't mean to or get stuck or try to think you're going to go down the side. And all of a sudden, it just doesn't work that time. Like, it's not mm-hmm. consistent. And it's a huge issue. Uh, but that said, let's say you plow through that. You get good enough at it. You're patient with it, which is really a lot of the key to that, that wall stick. If you're patient, you probably won't have any issues. But since you're constantly dodging shots and trying to, to get to where you want to go as quickly as you can, that doesn't really help. But uh, mm. you get to the last level of the game. There's a lot more back and forth. Uh, you know, After the first three levels, you have to go back to the first level for the next three levels. And then you have to go back to level two and three later to go to level seven and eight. So you get to the last level. It's actually very short, but very deadly. Uh, when you get to the very last boss, there's no gun power-ups. You just walk into a room, and there's your boss fight. And that's where Billy got to. And uh, and this was one where if I didn't have the ability to save every every step, I don't know how I would have gotten to that boss with the weapons to beat him because I don't think he easily is beaten with just grenades. Uh, there's too many things going on. He fires in all these different directions, and he has multiple forms because that's what happens in a Nintendo game. And, man, mm. I mean, I beat it. I beat it for this podcast. And, actually, I beat the last boss without, other than the fact that I cheesed to get to him, I beat the last boss fairly fairly regularly, but, man... With limited continues and the limited lives this game offers, I don't have any idea how anyone beat this before at all. I know people have, but that's impressive. Again, this is one of those games I just, uh, I, I never beat as a kid because there was just, I'd, I'd get to that point and I was done. And even this time, I I was really trying to get to where I needed to be because I really wanted to beat this game. It's This is a hard game. Yeah. Uh, enough people have said it over the years, but... I mean, you look at it and it doesn't seem like it's going to be that hard. Uh, there's only so much you can really do in this game. But man, there is just so much stuff at some point where it, it's just working against you. And unless you know 
those little areas to get to, uh, you know, to, to get your power ups and keep your health full, uh, that you're just going to keep getting, taking damage mm-hmm. constantly at, at some point. And, uh, that's never been like super fun for me as much as I love this game. I, it just gets to that point where I'm just like, I, I'm, I'm good. I don't want to put the effort into this because it's, it, it might actually like, uh, make me like this game less mm. and, and, and like especially like the whole like spider tank thing mm. that is definitely a thing like i got to for the first time ever playing it for this podcast and it actually kind of made me lose you know i wasn't having any fun with this game yeah and, and so that was that's that's definitely one that how this game is it seems like the further i got into it, that i just i was just kind of done with it i didn't get to the last boss or anything like that so I, I don't know. <laughs> I, I still love this game, but I, ju- I just wasn't really having any fun with it after some point. Well, it's a game that I don't think you need to beat to enjoy. I mean, I, I think you want to, and I think you, the, the goal is obviously to keep striving to that, but just playing through the first four levels of this and getting to the underwater level, I still had a lot of fun. And I still oh, felt yeah. like when I got there, I was like, you know, I've played this game. It took me an hour and a half or whatever to get here. I've played this for a fair amount of time for a single sit-down game. And mm-hmm. while I'm not finished it yet, and I, I'm going to do a safe state so I come back to it, it's like I still felt like this was fun. And I, as a kid, we had it. We played it a lot. Uh, I don't know if that was – I guess for, for my cousins that came over, we, that was our level where we were at the same place every year. That was, that was where it got stuck was that water level. But it's, it's still really fun up to that point, and I don't think it's bad afterwards. I just think the difficulty with all the decisions they chose to make at that point is where it just becomes too much. And, and again, I'm sure people have beaten it, obviously, but – this would have been a game if I would have beaten it as a kid one time. I would have to have had friends over or taken pictures of the pause of the screen at the end to prove it because no one would believe it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, that was the thing. And yes, I have the I have a renewed. I do know my cousin did plow through this one at one point in time when we were kids. And I, I if if he's listening, I, I have a renewed respect for you and, and and this great accomplishment which I did not appreciate enough at the time because lord it's it's not a bad game and i mean it's it's an awesome soundtrack and and yeah i'm a little a little harder on the the presentation of it i believe i think it just it really deteriorates the the more busy the levels get uh and and you know goes from looking okay to to ugly in some spots yeah but the thing for me is just the the difficulty and and really that that power up that 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 sticker there was just a it's like a slap in the face and it was just one additional thing to worry about and like i said i am i have a save state right there in that last boss now i'm gonna go through i mean i'm i'm you know i've had to cheat every fucking which way but sunday to get there uh but but i'm gonna see this game through to the end uh just just to say i did of course it doesn't carry the same weight as whipping through this thing the the natural way at the time, but it's going to be good enough for me. And and I mean, I can see why some people do enjoy this. And and like you guys said, it's, it's always amazing with those old NES games when it, it seems like uh, that you're getting several, several different styles, several different games kind of in one. Uh, So I can see why people like it. I, I can, partially see why people have fond memories of it if you were good at it uh it's oh i mean it may be a a 
opinion that people aren't pleased with me for, but I just, I find a little hard time putting the, the classic label on it, though, that it usually gets. I've always been a, a huge fan of this game, and mm-hmm. uh, for, like, as many YouTube reviews of, of NES games that I've done where I'm just like, someone spent $60 on this game, and it lasted 40 minutes. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is a game that I can say, without a doubt, if you bought this game for $60, you got your money's worth. Like, yeah. this is a, a game that lasts. It is a very long game. It is a very large game. Mm-hmm. A game that probably shouldn't even exist on the NES for it's like <laughs> just how large how large of a game this is. Uh, it, and it takes a lot of effort to get through. So there's a lot of game here. There's a lot of stuff to like. Uh, it's just that there's a lot of things that later in the game that really kind of trip mm-hmm. me up personally uh, to get through it. But man, the, like what's there and what I enjoy uh, I've I've got memories for for years uh, as far as like just how much nostalgia I have for even playing at this time and hearing the music, seeing mm-hmm. the graphics. It's all just iconic at a certain level as far as like the stuff you're seeing and hearing. So yeah, I mean this is uh, this is a a really great game to me. Uh, I I may never actually beat it, but that's okay with me because I can still just have as much fun getting <laughs> getting up to that water level and then realizing I don't actually want to play it anymore. Mm-hmm. Well, it was popular enough to get a handful of sequels. Uh, There's actually eight games in this series, sort of. Uh, The the game that came out next was on the regular Game Boy, the black and white Game Boy, called Blaster Master Boy. And it's a game where you're entirely Jason, there is no Sophia, and that's because it's really a Bomberman game that they reskinned for (laughs) Blaster Master, and Mm. I'm not quite sure why. Uh, It's not bad, but when you play it, you can definitely see that it's just Bomberman, uh, but they added a gun. Uh, there's also Blaster Master 2 for the Sega Genesis that came out in 1993, only in North America. Uh, all these games were published by Sunsoft, like this game was, but none of them were developed by Sunsoft, other than the original. Uh, Blaster Master 2 is a game that we're going to talk about a lot more. Our next bonus show, which will be up later this week, uh, is going to be all about Blaster Master 2. Uh, so if you have our, uh, member of our Patreon, you'll get to that episode for free by this Friday at the latest, and it's going to get into, you know, how that is different from this game. It's definitely in the series. It's not as, as out of the series as Blaster Master Boy, where you're just Jason, but it takes some some different tacks on, on this gameplay formula that I will mm-hmm. say the later games in the series don't necessarily follow. Uh, mm-hmm. The After that, in 2000, two different games came out. The Game Boy Color uh, was Blaster Master Enemies Below, which essentially is the first game modified it's i don't want to say it's a remake uh, or a reimagining but it's as close to this game as you can get while still being a separate game because uh, it does have different bosses and such but it's the same the same areas the same upgrades uh also in 2000 came the playstation version blaster master blasting again now i had this for about an afternoon because i bought it because i was blaster master i was super excited it was 20 bucks i was like yeah all right a new game coming out for 20 bucks that's not normally a good sign but you know what i'm going to give it a shot and i thought it was just straight garbage it's another example of a 2d game forced into a 3d space on playstation if you find a youtube of it which i'm sure i'll post one on on twitter or something it is ugly in in 2020 it's almost unbelievably ugly about how bad this game looks uh that said Mm. i didn't give it a fair shake and i've seen some fairly positive things on it but i've also seen a whole lot of negative things uh people who felt the same way i did that it just was not very good and it was a bad 3d game hopefully neither of you had played that one 
Uh, Sunsoft actually was no longer making games after after blasting again. That wasn't what the nail in the coffin was, but it definitely didn't help. Uh, so in 2010, as part of their kind of comeback to being a game publisher and, and game developer working through uh, another company, they put out Blaster Master Overdrive for the Wii, exclusively on WiiWare. And this was another, like, a, a new take on this game. It's very similar to this game, but it's its own game. Uh, and that one I played start to finish. I thought it felt a little bit like... You can tell the difference between a, like a fully funded, published game and a game that was kind of like an indie game that got a little bit of publishing for it. That's what this felt like. But it still it still felt good. It still felt like a good Blaster Master compared to some of the other ones in that series. And then in 2017, Blaster Master Zero came out for... Uh, I played it on the Wii, but I'm sure it was on other, other formats. And Blaster Master Zero 2 came out last year. Uh, both of those are by Inti Creates, uh, and that's the same company that's done a whole bunch of other like kind of throwback really solid 2d games uh and both of those if you like this game you'll love blaster master zero almost all the complaints we mentioned are fixed in blaster master zero you have a map you have more buttons because it's on newer newer consoles so you can do things where you don't fall off when you get a a uh when you get the wall climb and the jason sections are different I don't want to say necessarily that they fix all the problems and they don't create their own, but the Jason sections are different and better than this by far. Hmm. It, yeah, a lot of that stuff is, is it seems like it's it's fixed a lot of the things that, all the complaints that we had with this one, and it actually like still tries to hold true to what the original looked like. And even, you know, it, it adds a map screen, so it's actually much easier to get through. And I think it's, you know, if you want to play Blaster Master today, uh, that's probably the best way to go, unless you just want to go full retro and, and play the original if that's what you're used to, that's fine. But if you just want to kind of get into it now and see what made Blaster Master special, I think the, uh, this one on the Switch is actually a, a better and more fun game than, than just going back to the NES and trying to, trying to make your way through that one. Mm. Yeah, the Blaster Master Zero games are, are all the great things about Blaster Master, but on a much more accessible console. Uh, although you can play the original, is available on the Switch NES library. And this is one of those games where they put, um, you know, two versions of the game up. They have the standard out-of-the-box version, and then they have a special save, essentially. So if you wanted to start the game at the start of the last map, not the last boss, but the last the last area with, you know, a fully stocked tank and a fully stocked Jason, if you can get to a, a level first, feel free to try it. But if you haven't played through some of the earlier levels, I don't think you're going to get super far. <laughs> it's real brutal. Uh, but it does give you a shot to kind of see the end of the game without playing through all of it, uh, which is kind of nice. So that's our thoughts on Blaster Master, uh, a classic by many people's standards. And I think, at least for the first half of the game, that's 100% accurate. After that, eh, I don't know if I'd say it's a necessarily a need to finish, but, uh, but still, interesting concepts, done really well, and the music is amazing. So next month is going to be something we haven't done before. We're going to do a theme month. Uh, I guess other than Halloween, we do that every year. So the theme month for February is all fighting games. We had a couple of requests for fighting games. We're going to do a patron request, and we've got some other fighting games we want to throw out there. Uh, I suck at fighting games, but I'm putting a lot of effort into this to try to talk about them in any kind of coherent way. So we'll see how that goes. But thankfully, it's just for February. After February, you can definitely avoid fighting games. We're not going to talk about any more of them, most likely, for all of 2020 <laughs> after that. Uh, but also, if you'd like to tell us other things you might think are great things, you can find a way to do that 
on the Retrovania.net page, there's a question form. You can fill out your questions or thoughts or ideas you might have for, for what you might like to see on Retrovania. You can send them our way. And if there are things we should read on the podcast, we'll read them at the end of episodes like we're going to do right now. Yes, and you guys may remember from uh, the last podcast we had uh, someone write in twice in the same episode, basically, uh, that they wanted written content on the site. And I asked uh, all of you if you would like written content or not uh, to maybe let me know. And one of the uh, one of the few that came in that, that kind of echoed what we were saying, I guess not one of the few, but one of the, the, the opinion that most of us have anyway. Uh, comes in from Mark H. And this is not the same Mark that wrote in wanting written content because <laughs> that would be really awkward. Uh, but he writes in to say, uh, I don't read reviews. And uh, he says, another Mark had asked you guys to bring back the written reviews. While I certainly know there are a lot of people who really enjoy that form of media, there has to be an honest voice on the other side. I really, truly enjoy the podcast you put out as well the, as well as the relatively short YouTube videos. YouTube videos I can watch in short bursts, while the podcast is something I can listen to while driving to and from work. Giving an infinite amount of time, I'm sure I would get on websites and read all sorts of reviews, but I'm one of those people that just doesn't take the time to do it in this current phase of life. I'm not saying you shouldn't put written content on the site, just letting you know where the listener stands listening and not reading. Yeah. And, and, and I mean, uh, that's, that's kind of where I'm at too. I mean, that's my reviews for games and other things. I, I kind of take it in, in the same fashion. Uh, if I'm, if I do have a few minutes at home, uh, I, I do like a good, you know, kind of concise, uh, YouTube video or something like that. And yeah, I save my, my, my podcast for the car for, you know, for driving, to and fro. And I, you know, personally, just I myself am like that. I don't find myself either with enough time to really sit down and, and read reviews or or I just don't find the desire for it. Um, and that might be something that that I have a, a desire to do again later on. But, yeah, I mean, I, I think a lot of us are, are and I think our, our core audience is probably at that stage in life where they are, there's a lot of hustling and bustling going on with, with work and family. And it's, it's kind of hard to, to get yourself a minute to, to park yourself in front of the screen and, and read something at length. And, and that's about where I think we fell last time on the last podcast. But, uh, you know, that's that's about what I figured most people would think. Uh it's it's just one of those things. I, I really I still really enjoy that written content and doing yeah. that stuff, but it's uh, it's just not worth the effort these days. But anyway, uh, in, again, maybe in the future we'll see if we get more time. If any of us lose our jobs, which jobs, which is <laughs> certainly possible, uh, you know that is certainly something that you know could happen. We just decide to put up a bunch of stuff on the site to keep ourselves from crying in an empty bathtub or something like that. <laughs> Uh, but next question, I, I actually wanted to go back to, and I'm really sorry for the person that sent this in on the last podcast. We just ran out of time, and I actually deleted his his <laughs> question oh. <laughs> because I at the end of every episode, I just delete all of the emails. Um, I forget his name, but he wrote in asking if uh, – is actually asking Jeremy P. Uh, because he had worked at uh, GameStop or whatever it was before it was GameStop – if he had any good uh, stories, uh, if he had any fond memories of working uh, at a video game store or any horror stories. Uh, so, again, I'm sorry uh, that we, we lost that or lost your name, but I'm just going to throw out to him, see if he has an answer for that. 
You know, I, I worked there at a fairly good time. I worked there from 1995 till about 2000. So it was the introduction of the 32-bit era all the way up to the introduction of the PlayStation 2 pretty much. So as far as a good time for me personally, you know, I, I got to play a lot of cool games. I, almost anything that came out, I get to take home. They do a policy where if you work there and your manager approves it, I guess you can take home any game for the evening and bring it back uh, since all the games on the shelf uh, at that time, at least, I believe this is still the case, are empty and gutted. So they have to take the game out of each case so they can show it on the shelf. And that means that they sit in the back uh, sealed in theory. But, you know, the employees are to take it home uh, and, again, of course, make sure they bring it back in good condition or else they have to buy it. So I got to play almost every game, and I loved that. I thought that was really cool. Uh, what <laughs> what I didn't like, though, is it was the start of what I think GameStop is has become. So by the time I left there, they were really pushing pre-sales on every single game. You know, it was, it was before people really gave out emails at places, so we actually had to call people who had previously pre-bought games and say, hey, you know, I know you liked, you liked Madden 95, but maybe you'd really <laughs> like to play Blaster Master Overdrive. We're selling it now for, hello? Hello? And it was not fun. I hated that. I hated that they were really pushing, uh, you know, pushing numbers of, like, getting warranties. They started out like a club card when I was there where it's like you got 5% off used games. No one's buying that for $30. Why would you do that? And then they'd yell at us for not getting so many sales. So it started getting bad. Uh, I left there because I just got a, a different, I, I'd say better job uh, at the time, but it, that started getting really bad, so I didn't have a lot of the horror stories that I think current GameStop employees have for that. Uh, as far as customers, because that's always the worst part of any retail job, I had a lot of people who would come in and not know what they were buying and then get mad that I couldn't help them, or people would come in on the day before Christmas and get mad you don't have the newest item. Uh, the weirdest thing that happened to me as far as a, as a customer complaint is someone came in and they were really upset that we wouldn't let them return a toaster that had no box. Uh, one, it was an old toaster, and two, we don't sell toasters, and they obviously didn't have a receipt for it. But they screamed they were going to call the police on it because we wouldn't take this toaster back, and I didn't know what to do. <laughs> Eventually, the, the security for the mall came and took them out of the store. But that was, that was bad because that, that went on for probably about half an hour. Uh, but yeah, most of the time it was just the, the stuff that's involved with any retail store, I think. I'm, I'm not a good salesperson, and uh, I mean, I can sell you things you want, but I can't sell you things you don't, because I don't think you want them, and that's not <laughs> that's not necessarily good for sales. Now, I didn't actually work at, at a game store, but I did work at a Target back in the day. Uh, you know, I've mentioned this before, and I do remember, it, it, I, I've worked in the electronics section where the games were, and I had quite a few people uh, come in and do some pretty ridiculous stuff. Uh, but one of the worst that I, I actually remember was um, when the PlayStation first came out. And this guy had, he, you know, he came in, he bought a PlayStation, got him up to the counter, told him how much it was. I can't quite remember how much a PlayStation was. Like, what is it, 300 bucks back in the day or something? Yeah, I think they were 299 pretty much the whole yeah. time. Yeah. And like, so he fucking, he had a cart and I didn't notice that he had a box in the cart already. And like, he started pulling out like quarters like rolls of quarters oh and he oh had he bought a playstation with rolls of quarters oh my and if you've ever worked in retail you know what happens when somebody has a roll of quarters you can't just take that roll of quarters you have to break it open and count every single one of those quarters so uh imagine 300 dollars worth of ten dollars roll ten dollar rolls of quarters that i had to count through it took like half an hour to get this guy out of here. It was, it was just one of the most amazing things I, I've ever seen as far as like working in retail. Um, and the whole time the guy was apologizing for me. I felt bad for him because you know, Hey, whatever you get a PlayStation, however you're going to get it, that's great. But man, 
that was that was rough. At least he apologized, uh, though. It's better than those people that do that stuff and they just feel like, hey, it's currency. Like, oh, oh yeah, yeah. There's a lot of people that didn't even care. You know, whatever. But yeah, <laughs> it, it, it took quite a while. That that was probably my my most nightmare story as far as like actually working in retail. Uh, next question comes in from Burger Champ, and mm. uh, he's all about franchise combinations. And he writes in to say, I got Persona Q2 for Christmas, and I'm loving its combinations of Persona 3, 4, and 5 with the Etrian Odyssey series. Do any of you have any favorite genre crossovers or franchises that you'd like to see combined? Also, what style of game would you want it to be? I mean, I I, I do have. I mean, I started off the the top of the episode with the uh, talk of that uh, that that cadence of Hyrule, where they matched together uh, a couple of games and essentially turned you know Legend of Zelda into yeah you know, kind of a, a a rhythm game of sorts. And, and I think I, I'm a sucker for any time that there's a a rhythm game involving another franchise. It doesn't happen that often. I'll tell you what games I always loved, and for some reason. It always works when you take a popular video game and you turn it into a pinball game. Uh, whether it was Spinball, uh, and Mario had a great pinball game, and and even that that fucking Metroid pinball game was a strong one too. For some reason, I absolutely love those. Uh, it's always one of my favorites, is, and, and I haven't seen a new one in in years. You know, a a, a spinoff pinball game. Uh, but I've always enjoyed that. Uh, that's been one of my favorite. Somehow that that just works to take a, a you know a side scrolling game and turn it into pinball. Who knew? But but it's always been a hit with me. Yeah, Metroid Pinball for the Game Boy was a, or uh, the DS was one yes. I really like that too. Um, yes. Th- th- you know games like we've covered Guardian Legend. That was one of the games I bought as a kid. That like this game, you're like, oh wow, two different gameplay styles. But this was even weirder. This was totally two different gameplay styles. Uh, that had this this tie together that was kind of a half RPG, half Zelda blend. I, I love games like that. Any game that they can throw together uh, two different complete gameplay styles and somehow have it be be interesting. Uh, you know, you mentioned music games. Anytime there's something that has a a rhythm section to it or whatever that adds to it, I, I love that. So mm. any game like that is is gonna pull me in if it's something that's especially a shooter. I don't know what it is. I'm not good at top down or side scrolling shooters, but I love them. So any game that takes that as as a mechanic and then adds in something that makes it a little easier, like an RPG element, it's right in my wheelhouse. I love that. If I can get better at a game that I suck at by doing something that I'm slightly better at and a different gameplay style, <laughs> that sign me up for that. Uh, and I'm kind of with Billy or and Jeremy here. Anytime that you can put a rhythm game in something mm-hmm. and, and kind of combine two genres together and, and make it actually work. I'm a, I'm a big fan, like Crypt of the Necrodancer, Beat Saber, uh, Thumper. Like those are all pretty cool uh, takes on what the rhythm game franchises have been in the past. And it's just enough of a combination of other games like action games or, you know, flailing around in VR with a, a fucking lightsaber or something like that, that it makes it stand out and it, it keeps it fun. And, and uh, especially since these days, since I just suck at rhythm games, I'm not mm-hmm. sure why I was such a I was so good back in the day when I was a kid. But apparently as an adult, I've just lost all all rhythm uh, or, or ability to keep a beat. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I love that stuff. Um, anyway, next question. It's going to be Kyle V, and uh, he's writing in uh, about video games into the ether. He writes in to say, what that mouth do, my Vaniac boys? Oh. Well, that's that's not the entire question. 
Recently, I attempted to re-download Final Fantasy Crystal Defenders, an old tower defense mobile game from the early 20-teens. However, the game is no longer available for download. I know to the disappointment of many, this is a this is commonplace now. Konami's PT or Nintendo's Pokemon Ranch games come to mind. So it got me wondering, what are some of your favorite video games that are nearly or completely impossible to play today? Would you consider doing a full episode on this topic? I know this issue has a long history in video games and computer games, whether it's Nintendo, whether it's the Nintendo Saddle of View, Sega Channel, magazine demo discs, or even early internet services like Juno. The total of games lost to time likely numbers into the thousands. As always, I enjoy your program tremendously, patiently waiting your response. Well, I know, I know Jeremy P. in particular. He always mourns the loss of Mitomo. Uh, he's, you know, logs on it every now and then to see if it, <laughs> if it maybe it's back up. But uh, yeah, I mean, it is a problem. And uh, this is the point of the episode where I'm going to talk to you about Mag. Uh, the, the, the PS3, I don't know if we have ever discussed this. Have we discussed this before no, on the we, show? We I, to I talk don't. about this right now. Yeah, I don't think uh, so. It, th- this was a, a PS3 uh, game, heavily touted because it was what? Like, uh, something ridiculous. Like 128 yeah. person battles. Uh, of course, I mean, they did it real smooth. Like, the, the map was so gigantic uh, that, that chances were you were not going to encounter 128 folks while you're out there. But it was much more massive battles than you would get in, like, a, a Call of Duty or, or something like that. And, and it just had a scale to it that, that no game has been able to reproduce yet. And, you know, before Fortnite had your parachuting in, uh, Mag was the original. And, and I just remember... Everything about that game was enjoyable, uh, whether it was uh, trying to parachute in and avoiding fire, because you could get shot down while completely helpless in your parachute, or or getting the kill streak reward, which in Call of Duty was uh you know you, you get different things whether it's a, a UAV or you can you can order an airstrike. And Mag, you got a uh, a guitar riff. And a little, and a, jaunt, and a little jaunty tune would start playing. It was uh, the best. It was, I think once you got five kills, it kicked in. And there were three factions, and you know, depending on which faction, you got a different, you got a different tune playing. Uh, just today, I, I, I sent Jeremy uh, two different ones, uh, you know, so he could could relive that. But uh, and unfortunately, it got taken down after it got what was probably one of the most game changing updates. A game has gotten. I mean, it completely retooled a lot of guns. Uh, the the skill tree was made uh, much. I mean, uh, so many r- changes for the better, and it still it it got taken down. And yeah, I mean, there's no getting on there again. Uh, it's 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 dead and gone. And uh, and on the PS3, I mean, it's not like a PC game where you know you still got the the diehards with the with their dedicated servers. Uh, I mean, it's it's done, and and it's amazing to have uh, this disc sitting on your shelf. That you know, it, it's a coaster at this point, uh, and and you know, you may have paid full price for the thing, but you know, it, it's it too fucking bad. Uh, for me, the one that really sticks with me, and it's another shooter. Um, it was on the. Uh, PS3 and 360. It was, it was Gotham City Imposters. 
and uh, you know it takes place in the Batman universe, and essentially it is a uh, a versus of a team of uh, guys that kind of idolize the Joker and, and and are all dressed up like the Joker against a team uh, comprised of folks dressed up like Batman, and, and it had different classes, uh, uh, kind of a Team Fortress Two influence to it almost with some of the classes, and it had just the the widest variety of over the top guns and and gadgets and. You know, just personality to it, and it was really well done. Uh, it was it was not a, a you know triple A title by far, but it was just so solid and a lot of fun, and something my my son and I spent a lot of time playing. And it was starting to get like these nice little you know free updates, and I think it even had a, a couple of pieces of uh, you know real cheap DLC that added some items to it. Always stuff that was worth it though, and you know it. It came and went, and and without a lot of notice, and then it was gone. And now, uh, on console, I think you can get to like the you can get to the title screen, and I you may still be able to do the the training, but that's it. Um, you know, the computer I got on, I got I, I jumped on the PC. There are some servers still up, but they are such a they're either a wreck, and, and that thing where it just throws text in front of the screen the entire time, uh, and and obviously is. Uh, your computer is probably in danger the longer you're on there, or it's just people that have played this thing like the six or seven years it's been down and are on a whole nother level that, that you will never make it to. Um, so yeah, I mean, that's it's that's it's a shame and it's it's so odd. You know, once this started happening on consoles and, and like I said, you started having these discs that uh, you know are sitting on the shelf and you can pick up this thing you you plunk down for pop it in and you know not get anywhere with it but but that was a big hit that gotham city imposters it really hurt me but mag oh it hurt the most of all because because i really loved that game and was really having a great time with it and uh, it's gone there is no mag 2 either and you know i mean i i play games now and when i get that fifth kill my, my ears perk up but but Nothing's there to satisfy me anymore. Yeah, this is something that happened a lot with PC titles and, and you know, older consoles, um, mm. you know, really old consoles, uh, you know, pre-Nintendo. Unless there was a collection that had these games out, you know, the licensing has been lost. Uh, you know, for a lot of the Intellivision games, for example, uh, you know, the Masters of the Universe game and some other stuff, the, the licenses are gone. You, you'll never get to see that game again. So unless you have the cart or buy it online somewhere, you know, you, you, you're not going to get to play it. And... Mm -hmm. The, uh, you know, the idea of online games you can't play, that, that happens. I mean, you know, especially if you've spent years on an MMO that's been shut down, you can't play it anymore. That some reason that didn't bother me as much, but the idea that there's a console game that you have a disc that's just sitting there that you can't do anything with, it didn't really hit me until the Dreamcast when I was playing Fantasy Star Online, and all of a sudden, you know, when that whole system's down, that's it. That game does nothing. It doesn't even have a single-player component. You're just going to have this game that does nothing forever. And, and the other part of it that I didn't think about until, you know, actually it's a good, this is a good game that we talked about for this topic as well. The Blaster Master Overdrive that was out for the WiiWare was only released on WiiWare, only mm. on the original Wii. It is not for sale on the Wii U console. It's not for sale anywhere anymore. Unless you have a Wii that still has that downloaded, you can never play or find that game again. And there's, there's a Castlevania game like that. There's, uh, there's a couple other games that are not available in any other format. And that's crazy 
to think that there's things that are just completely gone now. I mean, I'm sure you can find someplace yeah. online where you can download it somehow in a questionable legal fashion, but through regular means, there's just no way to play those games. And the other, um, the other place I've seen this a lot, and it's, it doesn't bother me as much because I still don't consider this a gaming console, even though I use it a fair amount for games, but uh, cell phone games. There's so many things on the Apple Store that because they don't, you know, update with the different iOS updates that are just no longer available. Um, mm-hmm. One of the big ones I have, and I have an old phone that I didn't keep it just for this purpose, but it eventually is not going to work anymore. Uh, the Infocom Museum had every Infocom game, and it had, like, pictures of the feelies and stuff that came in the boxes so you could figure them out if you needed those. I thought that thing was awesome. I mean, I know that's not everyone's cup of tea, but it's mine, and you cannot play it. It, it was not updated since, I think, iOS... Uh, whatever the the iPhone four was like since that came out, it's you can no longer play it. You can't download it. It's not available. They have no intention of putting it, you know, updating it, putting it out again in that form. I'm sure we'll see Infocom show up somehow. But mm-hmm. the fact that I, you know, it's a collection I technically have in my purchase history. I would love to play it again. I paid for full versions of games in that package, and I can't use any of it. It's really frustrating. I, I think actually EA just came out like this week saying that their version of Tetris on iOS is being discontinued. So, I mean, Tetris. <laughs> Imagine having a game of Tetris that just doesn't work anymore. Like, mm-hmm. I don't understand how that actually can can even be possible. Um, I guess for me, I, I've always been shocked at just how many Xbox 360 uh, arcade games are just not around mm-hmm. anymore. Mm-hmm. Like, there are tons. And uh, I actually went back and... Went through. I actually I bought a lot of those uh, 360 live arcade games back in the day, and just seeing, trying to go back and re-download them on the 360, and just seeing how much they're just not available. Like Mortal Kombat 3 and uh, just tons of other ones that just doesn't exist anymore. Even if you bought them, you can't download them anymore. Uh, it, it just kind of sucks. I, I think that's just how gaming is these days and i think that's just probably how it's going to stay especially with a lot of these live service games uh you know we're talking about playing destiny a lot how how's that going to even be you know you can't go back to play destiny probably in like four four or five years from now uh there's just going to be a new destiny like they did with the original destiny so it, it's just one of those things that's just probably part of gaming these days and it sucks and we're just going to have to get used to it and our last question comes in from Down Under Blunder, and uh, he wants to know about spicy game love. Mm. Hi, I just wanted to say great job on the podcast. Really enjoying every episode. Was wondering a bit if any of you guys game with your significant others. My girlfriend and I, both listeners, often play through older JRPGs together, and I really feel it brings us closer together than watching TV or just a purely physical relationship would. Speaking of which, she's of the Cuban descent and as such enjoys extremely spicy foods, whereas I do not care for them. In fact, even mildly hot food causes me to sweat and makes me incredibly uncomfortable, not to mention I think I'm allergic to it, as I'll often break out in hives after indulging. That said, when we do get physical, she wants me to go down on her. But all the spicy food she eats makes me have have to stop. (laughs) Hold on. But all the spicy food she eats makes me have to stop, as believe it or not, it makes everything spicy down there. 
Yes, both sides. <laughs> any any ideas as this, to what this could is? Be- uh, this this should make it on Retrovaniacs after dark. The first half of that question was I was totally fine with, and now I'm not really sure where to go with this. What a turn! Any ideas as to what can be done? I've tried pouring milk down there, but it doesn't seem to help much. Thanks in advance, and again for the show. Is, is that even well, possible? I, I mean, the milk was my only advice. So if he's already explored that avenue, sounds well, like I'm both avenues. Sure the one, the one on this podcast that has the spiciest butthole is Jeremy P. So if he's got any <laughs> any <laughs> advice as to what can ha- what he can do, uh, you know, throw it out there. I I don't have any idea. I was gonna go and say that I my wife and I do play video games together, <laughs> and so we uh, <laughs> play like Mario Kart. The things that, that would make sense. The games we can play with our kids are also ones we'll play. But but before we had kids and and games like a uh, Donkey Kong Country, the the one on the Wii that was two player, mm. and and the the 2D Mario's games we can play together that that you know have a collectible piece that unlocks you know. The extra levels and stuff. Those those kind of things we end up playing, but not too many things. Uh, she she's really not into games as much, but she's not like completely not into them. But yeah, we do play them together. But at this point in time, you know, between having kids that want to play games all the time and everything else, I kind of like like having time by myself to play games I want to play. So I, I don't mind it too much. Uh, as far as the spicy butthole thing, I'm not really sure. Um, I'm not really sure that that happens. I mean, I guess it does. I take your word for it. I, I have not had that run in run into any issues, and I and my wife eat a fair amount of spicy foods, and that's all I'm going to say about it. So that's that's an interesting question, though, and I'm sure I'm, I'm going to say maybe just uh, get some of that fucking the toothache stuff. Get you some ore gel. Just numb you, <laughs> fucking numb your shit up real good. Uh, I mean, just empty a tube out, go to town. You should be all right. Uh, otherwise, I guess just toughen up. I don't know. That's a tough spot, and and I feel this may be the uh, we this may not be the podcast that can help you out. I'm sure there are some out there though. Um, but uh, yeah, uh, we do we do play a lot of a lot of games together around the house, and usually it's something uh, a cooperative uh, kind of a, of the puzzle variety. Overcooked was a big hit. Um, around that, but you got to watch out playing games with a significant other because because there comes the point where you're going from working together to yelling at each other, and and that's never good, and and that's why we did not finish Overcooked. But yeah, but, but there's a ton of different games. Mario Kart's always a great. I Nintendo has the, the market cornered. I think on games to play with a significant other, uh, you know whether it's Mario Kart. Uh, Smash Brothers. Uh, there was a game called Chariot that came out a while ago. That that is a great, great game to sit down and play with somebody. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I don't think it's it's one hundred percent necessary for a relationship because, uh, like Jeremy P said, sometimes you just want to have some time. That's like your your getaway activity. Uh, you just want some time yourself. But it's always great too that you know there are some games that that obviously are made for more than one player or just a lot more fun. Uh, so it's great to have that, 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 you know, common thing uh, under your belt with your, your partner. And, and I think it does improve, uh, some games. Uh, I, I'm, I hope we helped you out with that part. I, I don't know. I, I don't know what to tell you about the rest besides the, the fucking Ambisol or gel or whatnot. Yeah. <laughs> I don't really know what to tell you either. Just uh, just don't choke on your own spit lighter that night. 
<laughs> I, I, you know, I, I had my ex-girlfriend and I, we used to play games a lot. I actually talked about it a lot here on this podcast, me, you know, and, and we still actually do me, me, her and Billy still play destiny two together mm-hmm. to this day. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, I mean, that's, it's just something, if you got something in common that, that definitely will always grow a relationship instead of just doing something that, you know, you're just kind of okay with and just doing to be do, taking part in to be together, whatever. Uh, if it, it is definitely something that you both enjoy, it is, it's always worth doing, I guess. Uh, but yeah, I, I, I can't really help you with the other issue. Uh, I think if there are three people that would know what to do to solve spicy butthole, then we would be the people that would be first to find it. Uh, but I don't think, uh, I, I, I don't think we ever have. So maybe, maybe if you figure it out, let us know, uh, and, and we'll pass that along, but that's going to do it for questions today. Uh, thanks for everyone for writing in. And again, if you have anything you want to ask us or just let us know, let us know how your your you know, how spicy your buttholes are, uh, mm-hmm. write in at retrovania.net and, uh, send it away and we'll see what we can do for you. I'm glad Jeremy reads those mails. <laughs> Not me. <laughs> uh, well, our, our next bonus episode is going to be on Blaster Master 2. So if you like this and, or really like Blaster Master, then I highly recommend, you know, check out our Patreon, consider joining. You get that episode, uh, should be up later this week. And next month is Fight Month. So, again, if you're looking forward to us talking about different fight games that aren't Mortal Kombat or Street Fighter, then you're in for a treat. And if not, at least in March will be nothing about fighting games. Other than that, find all of our online presence at RetroVania.net, including other links to the YouTube channel and our social media pages. And we will see you next time. <laughs> <laughs>